0: everyone, welcome to the Flexing Physio Podcast. My name's Dan and I'm a physio currently based in Melbourne, Australia. This podcast is aimed for both students and new grads. In this podcast, there will be lots of fun banter and cool guests. Now, let's get into this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Flexing Physio Podcast. Today, I'm joined by... A lovely guest from sydney is that true pay are you from sydney yeah i'm yeah, from good.
1: sydney
0: good 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 I'm really so,
2: Malaysia.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about that don't you worry uh, so if you can hear, <laughs> hear her voice already that is the voice of paygan now did i pronounce your name correctly
2: It's gun like gun like a, oh, yeah
0: <laughs> like gun so it's yeah. Paygan. gun yes okay okay i feel like um you'll get called paygan a lot is that right
2: yes i do <laughs> yeah
0: that's that's a kind of a reason why my mom gave me a like a white name daniel it's just easier yeah
2: definitely
0: well my name's actually pei oh but oh pei well, there you go. i like it i like it yeah. so pei is the also known as the powerlifting physio on instagram uh, she's got quite a big following and i am honored to be able to have a have a chat with her um all about powerlifting lifting gym physio and all that fun stuff injuries and all that so tell us a little bit about yourself what makes pay pay
2: what makes pay pay um yes. well so i started off well in malaysia just i wanted to be a doctor like every other asian
1: <laughs>
2: um, student um and then if i like i feel like i've got a few things going on in my eyes so i decided i'll um, become a physio,
1: hmm.
2: and when I became a physio, I didn't. I feel like I wasn't actually. I liked the physio, but I wasn't like passionate about it.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, treating general pop, and then I got into powerlifting. Got introduced to powerlifting. I like loved it. Hmm. I was like heading up for a competition, and I had pneumonia. So then I headed up to another competition, um, and then I hurt my back a week before comp. So. Basically the story started where I was like, shit, I've hurt my back. I wanna I wanna make nationals for this uh, weight class. And I need to make that total. And I'm 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 a bit stubborn, so I was like, I'm not gonna back down. Uh, I couldn't lift 30 kilos. I would not advise people to do this, but I couldn't lift 30 kilos. I went to the doctor and said, give me Mobic and paddle Osteo because and I'll make, I'll put it together and I'll hit the total. So I did. Yeah. And back then, in my mind, I was like, I'm a physio. If I can rehab the general pop back to lifting more than 20 kilos, uh, lifting 20 kilos, well, that's there, you know, work we'll couple Um, mm-hmm. I can rehab my back after this. So hit the qualifying number, tried to get back to lifting more than 30 kilos and couldn't really get there. Right. And then just kept going back and forth. And I realized well I thought I could do this but obviously there's a gap in the market because why is it I can rehab a a general pop and you know back to 20 but 30 kilos or more like I can't do it Mm. um so then I just went down this path of just getting completely obsessed (laughs) with learning how to get back to powerlifting get Mm. back to competition um just a lot of reading a lot of reaching out to different physios and a lot of experimenting on myself. And then I started also treating and reaching out to powerlifters. Because this is like, what, seven, six, seven years ago, where the moment you got a back injury in powerlifting and what they call a disc injury, Mm -hmm. you pretty much quit. So it was a bit of a different kind of environment back then. People would tell you to quit. People would tell Mm -hmm. you to stop. People would be like, what kind of, what, I had, a, I had someone that said, like, um, something along the lines, it was caring, but something along the lines of, like, what would a good physio do?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that really, like, that pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to find a way. And yeah. so that's how like it all started, basically.
0: Awesome. No, that's a really good story. I think a lot of physios would resonate with that. I think a lot of like for myself included, the reason why I want to become physio was I hurt my back doing a deadlift when I was 17, ego lifting, just being stupid. And uh, a doctor told me to never lift heavy again. And uh, I went to see a physio the day after and she was the actually the one who helped rehabilitate me and get me back to lifting. And now I'm the strongest I've ever been. So um, that is awesome, and I
2: love those
0: stories. Yeah, it's like, great, right? Yeah. But it's also stories. so sad to hear when we don't when they don't bounce back and they just follow the first advice they yeah. hear. So Yes, yeah, so I agree. Th- agree. A big part of our job, I feel pay is to educate the the Gen pop and get them get them back and you know, destroy all the yeah. misinformation we hear. Yeah, so, agree so you've uh you've you've done well for yourself, you've got a great team um tell us about your business
2: uh, so my business is PB physio mm-hmm. um I basically started out of a mission of um basically stopping athletes retiring due to injury. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people to feel the same way I did. It took me a year to get back to my competition numbers yep. and I was like, well, if this is this is something that people really don't understand. I want to build a team that has the same passion as me mm-hmm. um, and the same drive to improve the ideas behind health professionals, behind rehab, behind like how capable your body is Yeah, which is through this whole path, I've, like I've seen a lot of crazy things. Like I've met like, this is not this not like a brag or anything, but I've seen people being able to a week hurting their back a week from comp mm. and being able to deadlift the their max at comp wow. just with some guidance. And they're like the week before they couldn't even bend down. So it's yeah. just like crazy how the body is that malleable with yeah. the right guidance and the right, I guess, belief as well. For um, sure,
0: hundred percent. I'm not sure if you if you're into the tennis yeah but um, well, recently I, I was,
2: no when Roger Farrell retired dude I can't watch it <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair enough fair enough I love um, <laughs> yeah he he's the goat he's no one can beat him yeah. but recently I've been watching Aussie Open because I'm based in Melbourne and uh, Novak had oh, a yeah. hamstring issue he tweaked it in a warm-up match leading up to the Australian Open but he ended yeah. up taking the title and that's just amazing you know how, that is how awesome, can, man.
2: the human yeah. body
0: as you said truly is so adaptable and just amazing so um so would you say the the main type of client and patients that you see would they be lifters
2: um so it started predominantly with lifters because that's Mm -hmm. i guess where i found my niche Mm -hmm. so seeing power lifters first and then olympic weightlifters which are the one um well people usually tend to put them the same kind of situ- um sport but they're not yeah. um and then and then we just started branching out so powerlifters, all the lifters uh strong men mm-hmm. crossfitters and then it just started growing so now um i see like divers olympic divers okay um so some of the tokyo tokyo dives we saw i still see um jiu-jitsu i see a lot of fight okay which i don't know really- put too much up on my social media but i actually started gaining people start gaining interest in it so i'm like okay i'll put up on my social media yeah um gymnastics like random stuff like synchronized swimming sea Mm. swimming um sprinters athletics just a whole bunch of of a variety of sport basically yeah um and then also still the general pop trying to get them into getting a bit more of a healthy lifestyle
0: absolutely yeah Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So a uh, question from one of the listeners. Um, this person's name is Zillian. Great name. Um, she wants to ask, I'm assuming it's a she, uh, could be a he, but uh, this person wants to ask, what's the most challenging thing you find in your career?
2: So great question, Sheb. So the most challenging thing I find in terms of as a physio, mm-hmm. um, the business owner side of things and the physio side of things is pretty difficult to juggle. But as a physio, being able to communicate with your patient or your athlete, especially when they have like deadlines to come. Mm. Sometimes there won't it won't be pain free, but that communication that you have with that you have to have very transparent and set down really good expectations with your athlete to what you want to achieve. So, the Tokyo twenty twenty was not going to change the date. So you got to start from there and work your way back versus just assuming everything is going to go like yeah. roses and like, you know, sun, sun and butterflies. Yeah. So expectations um, and actually getting the athlete and, and you collaborating to form the best result mm. because with athletes, it's a very fine line between you, when you go up and compete, you are among the best of the best. Mm. So it's not actually just about your technical proficiency because you are all technical proficient. It's yep. your mind and how fast you can adapt, how mm-hmm. quickly you can adapt in competition because everything goes wrong in competition. Oh yeah. Yeah. So being able to prepare them enough to pivot as quickly as possible and have that mindset yeah. Plus, that men- the mental and that physical strength together, and being able to rehab it at the same time, so yeah. that's the most challenging thing, especially with different personalities. Yeah.
0: Definitely, yeah. When I yeah. when I first started working, I found athletes, especially the ones with the deadline some of the most challenging humans to work with because they want to do whatever they're trained to do and to hear that they potentially can't compete, it breaks their heart. So I can uh, empathize on that on some level. Um, Another question we had from Ebony, she wants to ask, what's the most common injury you see in the clinic? That
2: is a hard question. Um, In lifters, I would say the most common would be lower back, lower back pain. I have a special interest in, um, bone socket joint. So I'm obsessed with shoulders and hips. So yeah, but the most common thing would be lower back. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I would say is when you, in uni, what you learn is you always learn to target just that body part.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I would encourage people to look into more of the kinetic chain, mm-hmm. start with the joint above and below and mm-hmm. actually understand how they contribute because sure. your whole body technically...
0: Is a whole kinetic chain that creates power. So yeah, but I would say lower back pain probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it was uh you know fifth toe pain. No (laughs) jokes.
2: Fifth (laughs) metatarsal.
0: Yeah. Now that's that's really good advice, Pay, and uh, that's the reason why I have this podcast is so that we can get these clinical gems for from uh, people like yourself. So that was really Mm -hmm. valuable. Clinton Tran, he wants to know. Uh, you kind of touched on this before, but how do you treat an athlete who has sustained an injury during comp prep?
2: First of all, the first thing I would do, Clinton, is I would start with like having a great discussion with them and telling Mm. them, you know, getting deadlines down, figuring out what, when it hurts, at what weight, especially, what movement, what point of the movement, trying Mm. to get as specific as possible. All right. Then what I do is I do my same old systematic um assessment I make sure everything's systematic make sure and obviously with my clinical knowledge and everything I put them all together mm. but you need to be as systematic as possible you need to be as structured as possible yeah sometimes when people when athletes come in and you haven't seen athletes and they tell you they're so and so it kind of clouds your judgment because you get nervous mm. but you need to treat them almost exactly the same as how you're assessing everyone else. Otherwise, you miss things. Yeah. So think of the person as a blank slate. Mm. Find their, their goals, find their deadlines, and just get all the numbers down, be as systematic as possible, and start communicating with them on how you're going to get them to where they want to be. Mm. I love that. The answer is very long, but I'm yeah. not going to go on with yeah the rest yeah. of that. I would just say start, start very simple and just be confident yeah. enough to get correct data.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of the things that you've just mentioned lies on building that good foundational rapport with the person in front of you, no matter if yeah. they're an athlete or no matter if they're an 80-year-old person, you've got to build that yeah. rapport so you gain their trust so that they know that you've, they know got, you've
2: got their back.
0: Yeah. Ex- literally, yeah. physically and literally. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Next, Jen, podiatrist. Um, they want to ask, how do you train slash maintain strength through injury? It's a really good question. Oh,
2: okay, that's a great question, Jen. Um, mm. There's, in terms of, there are multiple ways you can do that, mm-hmm. and that comes to programming as well. Yeah. But what I do is actually when I'm treating them, I find movement deficits or active mobility movements that they need required to be able to do that. So let's mm-hmm. say if I say a squat, looking at the hip um, ranges, looking at their, uh, where they move their center mass, looking yeah. at how the technique and what I do from there is I give them exercises before like
1: pre-activation
2: exercises
1: mm-hmm.
2: just for one set before they do their squat. Let's say they're having pain at a hundred kilos of squat. Mm-hmm. What I'll do is I'll treat them. I'll try the pre-activation exercises and I'll work their way up with the mm-hmm. squat. Mm-hmm. At that point, that I feel that they, if they sometimes they can get to hundred and it's like great. Magic. But Sometimes if it doesn't, yeah. Um, and what's if you just do the right thing? Sometimes it really works well with the right people. Yeah. But if it it doesn't drop the weight, go. Go Up to where they can, so if they can do 80, yeah. that's still training. Yeah. Um, what else I would do? I would communicate with a coach, so I'm like really open with communicating with coaches and sending them emails. For sure. Um, I'll do stuff like pause, pause mm-hmm. squats, let's say, or tempo because mm-hmm. tempos will actually this you're still loading the muscle enough because it's more time under tension,
1: yeah,
2: but you are making them aware of where they are in space, so mm-hmm. the likelihood of them. Um, getting out of the position is a lot slimmer, yeah. And then you can also like there's so many variations like box squats. Mm-hmm. So this is on the topic of squats, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Or if you really can't squat at all, which most of the time is unlikely. Yeah. yeah. Um, start training, making sure your upper body is still strong.
0: Bicep curls. Um,
2: training. Uh, yeah, lots of it. No. <laughs> and then training. Training movements in those positions. Yeah. The the worst thing you want to do is just completely stop because yeah. that's gonna make it so much harder to get the patient back to what they're doing pre injury. And they get a lot more, I guess, mental um the confidence. They the mm. confidence just goes down a lot as well. Yep. Yeah. And they do they train.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you gotta keep them busy.
2: Yeah. And you gotta find them pathways. So in general, people like solutions of what they can achieve
1: mm-hmm.
2: without them having to overthink about it. They want you they want you to be able to give them these examples even if they thought about it because they want that reassurance too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. Do you do you ever play around with isometric? For example, in in a squat position, the bar is underneath the the rack, so you're pushing into it as hard as you can. Do you ever play around with that?
2: I do play around with isometrics when I'm trying to isolate and um, teach them a certain movement pattern that right. I want them to achieve. So let's say a diver has pain jumping from like uh, three quarters knee bend to full hip extension. Mm. Um, and I feel like they're too upright when they're jumping and they start too much on their toes. Mm. I would actually pull them back and do some isometrics there where I'm like, okay, I want you to keep your core on. Mm. I want you to stay in your heels and I want you to push from your heels to your toes and feel that pressure. So it's more of a proprioceptive thing. Mm. Um, yeah, but it just that's just an example. Like it can vary so much.
0: Yeah. yeah. If you want to treat, be be a good physio for lifters, it sounds like you have to train yourself or have some sort of training exposure. Yeah. Would you say?
2: So I would definitely agree with that. I think if you want to treat athletes, that you should have a very strong foundation in strength and conditioning. Mm.
1: Um,
2: because unfortunately, what we learn at uni is it it doesn't cut it for I would I would even say there's a cutter for general pop. Mm. But uni is trying to give you the foundations, the skeleton, and you're supposed to fill in the meat after you graduate. But what I feel like sometimes people think is they're like, Oh yeah, I'll learn everything in uni, I come out and I'm great. It doesn't work <laughs> that way. Like
0: nah, the yeah.
2: direction you want to go in as a physio has there's so many things. Like obviously the most popular thing is, is sport sport, mm. but you can't learn everything. You have to feel in the meat and just, if you want to go treat athletes, you need strength and conditioning. And I believe that if you want to treat athletes, you should feel what it feels like, you know, under the barbell, under, Mm -hmm. under, like in this condition of, you know, I even tried like gymnastics and stuff like that just to feel what my athletes felt.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, And then the more you feel, the more you learn, the more you understand emotionally as well, what they go Mm -hmm. through heading up to comp the more you can keep
0: having that passion to grow. Yep, I Mm. love that. That's good advice. Very good advice. Uh, Next question is from Ali Rowan. She is a CrossFitter. Um, She wants to ask you, how do you approach and educate uh, people with back pain that's worse doing deadlifts compared to squats? Okay, so that's a
2: good question. How do you Mm -hmm. educate people deadlifting that's worse doing squats? I would actually look at that movement pattern and find Mm. out what technically they are doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And when I I say wrong, I know in the whole community, it's starting to go, oh, there is no wrong. (laughs) (laughs) There is a wrong and there is a right, but it's a spectrum, guys. So (laughs) what I would would say with CrossFitters, if they've been the sport for quite long, Mm. I would say... I, I think I've spoken to you about this. I, I would say they're more in the over-specialized spectrum of what how I talk about it, where
1: mm.
2: they are so strong in their low back extensors and their quads mm. that they're only using their low back extensors to lift. So they actually the technique looks really good, mm. but their their ribs are coming up and they're just mm. really using your, the their lower back extensors to jam into that and. Yeah that could possibly be why someone gets low back pain, they're deadlifts and not their squats.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It, that's just one of the reasons, could possibly yeah. be one of the reasons. But at the same time from the other spectrum, if they're a new lifter,
1: yeah.
2: that's when they might be losing their tightness and going into an overflexion. Um, mm. But that's just from a physical perspective because I don't have the, pa- the patient in front of me. Sure.
1: Yeah.
2: I would suggest you start with like trying... If it's from the first, like if the person mm-hmm. has been um, crossfitting for quite a long time and they're having deadlift issues,
1: mm-hmm. I
2: would suggest that you teach them how to brace through their core mm-hmm. better. Get their ribs in a stacked position with their pelvis
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that they can push with their legs rather than their low back. Yeah. Right. Get them to find the center, their center of gravity over just trying to use their low back, which is going to be the strongest muscle.
0: Yeah sounds good i think you answered that really well pay um, she can send me a
2: message on instagram and i'll i will um delve into it a bit more yeah. i was like oh don't get too complex
0: <laughs> now you can you can get yeah. full nerdy get full nerdy with her, i'm sure she's yeah. actually uh, race i think she's recently graduated as a physio so i'm sure oh, she'll same. really appreciate um you um hitting her up as well um okay yeah. last, lucky last question is from joey lee paul Uh, she's a Cairo student, I believe. Um, She wants to ask you, how do you address wrist pain in a low bar squat?
2: Oh, great question, Joey. So, most of the time, wrist pain does not come technically from the wrist, especially in a low bar squat. Why? Because when you go under a bar in a low bar squat, Mm. do you know how much shoulder external rotation you actually need? You need A
0: lot, yeah.
2: And if and you need some thoracic extension as well.
1: Yeah.
0: And
2: when I say that, thoracic extension and shoulder external rotation doesn't necessarily mean shoulder uh, posterior cuff and like retraction strength.
1: Mm. right?
2: But that would be a good, good place to start. I would mm-hmm. assess their shoulder external rotation.
1: Mm-hmm. I would
2: assess their um thoracic mobility. Yep. And then I would look at their scap function, mm-hmm. so a lot of the times because all we do is sit at our desk and we don't ever lift our arms, serratus <laughs> anterior, lower traps.
1: Yeah,
2: very very good um muscles to target yeah. to get a bit more of that anterior. Till, oh, sorry, that posterior of the scapula, so that the shoulders yeah. come back. Um, yeah. and get a bit more of that retraction, so the chest opens up. So then your wrist doesn't extend. Yeah. So you have to do the work. Your shoulder does it. Love it. So a lot of times comes more from your shoulders and your your scalp complex versus your wrist. Your wrist yeah. is the
0: victim. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, that that's exactly what you said before is that when you, when you have a pain in a particular joint, assess above and below. In the wrist example, there's not much below. So assess up yeah. and have a look at yes. what you can change yeah. up there. No, that's really good. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions we had for today. I think you answered them all really well. Um, I do want to end this this episode on a bit of a special note. Um, being that you're from Malaysia, my wife is also Malaysian. And recently, I went back to Malaysia to see um, <laughs> her mum and dad, so my in-laws, for the first time. And I survived. So that's that's you good You survived? News. Congrats. Survived. Barely, barely. <laughs> I've got three toes left. I did cut off seven of my toes, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> they really
2: feed you lots of durian as well.
0: They tried to force feed me durian, but I kept gagging every time I smelt it. So I'm, I haven't been converted yet. Do you, do you? I'm assuming you like durian.
2: My grandfather used to own a durian farm, so I'm not a fan of it anymore. But I just oh, okay. people tease me about it all the time, and they're like, "Oh, I don't like durian." I'm like, "I don't really care for it, man." But all right, <laughs> I'll eat it if it's there.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, so you're you're indifferent about it. Well, is mm. is there one Malaysian food that you really really miss or you really really love?
2: I really like um, jackfruit and mangosteens.
0: What? Mangoes? What? Mango What's that?
2: It's fucking. Oh, I'm not supposed to sweat. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what? It's
2: like this purple round thing. And then on the inside, there's this white flesh. And it's just like sweet and it's great man just
0: type it what 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 uh what food do you miss that's not a fruit i was thinking In like mac or roti channai. you give me you give me two <laughs> fruit. come on man
2: <laughs> you told me fruit bro you told me <laughs> about you, right? um,
0: food not fruit oh
2: food <laughs>
0: i like nasi lemak oh nasi lemak good i, I don't was, eat I was... much of
2: it though nasi lemak is great yeah. It's
0: phenomenal. I, I love nothing Lamarck. Yeah. I also had um pedas, which is so underrated.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. They don't have something, those things here.
0: No, you assampadas. have
2: to
0: Yeah. You have to go <laughs> underground to get to get that food. Yeah,
2: yeah. All the little corner shops with like the dirty ass, like cats everywhere.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's how you know it's gonna be good. The dirtier it is, the, yeah. the better the food is gonna be. That's just the yeah. the the <laughs> universal law. Awesome. Yeah. well pay thank you so much for your time uh this has been such a great episode i feel pumped up i just want to go squat 200 kilos right now um so i do wish you all the best with your with your business and uh your competitions and everything and yeah i'm yeah. sure we'll be in touch and yeah thank you again for your time
1: thank you for having me